Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Kathy Kuhn, and I'm the Counseling Director here at Rolling Hills. We're continuing in our series, Engage, and today's sermon focus is evangelism. God's calling for each of us is to know Him and to make His name known. And that's why evangelism is so essential as followers of Jesus. We're glad you've joined us as we learn from the book of Acts and today's message from Pastor Jeff. Well, I hope this morning that my topic doesn't make you nervous. I hope that you don't get uncomfortable in our time together today. Some of you already look scared. No need to be worried because I want to talk about something today, though, that tends to uh, sometimes uh, paint a picture in our mind that is maybe not what the accurate picture is. So let me tell you what I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to sit up here and talk about politics. I'm not going to tell you who you should vote for, anything political, okay? So rest assured, that's not the divisive topic. I'm also not going to sit up here and talk to you about should Nolensville be a small town or a big town. Growth and development. I know that that tends to be somewhat divisive this day and age. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about anything that is uncomfortable in a, from a societal perspective in terms of our culture wars. But what I do want to talk to you about is something that tends to be, uh, leave us in a place that I like to call a dead-end conversation. Sometimes I've said if you really want a conversation to end pretty quickly, then bring up the topic that we're about to bring up today. But as followers of Jesus Christ, this should not be a topic that we shy away from but rather something that should pour out of us. If Jesus has changed our life, then what should pour out of us? A desire to tell other people about him. A desire to point other people to him. Put another way, evangelism. That you and I would carry out the work of an evangelist. That we would be a person who shares the hope of Jesus Christ with those that we come in contact with. And so what I want to do today is to hopefully all of us catch a clearer vision of what it means to engage with this crucial part of our faith journey. And my desire is that we would all walk away with some practical steps about how important this is, but also the steps that God wants us to take as we seek to be on mission for Him and engage with Him in this really, really crucial part of our discipleship journey. I'm so glad that you guys are here with us this morning. Why don't we pray together and let's dig into God's Word. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. I'm so thankful for each and every person who's here. We give this day to you, and we ask that you would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine here in this place. Thank you, God, for what you are doing. And I pray that you would help us to just walk away today with a sense of purpose for what it is that you want us to engage with in being people who share our faith and share the hope of Christ with others. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. Now, I realize that every time I get up here to speak to you guys, to preach to you, that you have different expectations of what's going to happen in our time together. There's some of you that are numbers people, and you're facts and figures, and you like all the numbers, and that really helps you resonate with the point that we're trying to make. And then there's some of you that are story people, and you like to hear the stories, you like to be inspired, you like the how you feel when you kind of hear a story about what's happening in somebody else's life. And then there's a group of you that you like the practical things, you like the take-home steps, the what am I supposed to do with what I have learned today. And if I use this time well today, I'm going to make everybody in the room very happy. You are all going to walk away happy today because all of those are crucial for an understanding of what it means to be an evangelist. Because we have to understand where we are, we have to hear the stories about why it matters, and we have to walk away from this place and say, I want to grow in my desire to be a part of this work. So we have to start with what is it? What is evangelism? If you go back to the New Testament in the Greek, the original language of the New Testament, and look up the word evangelism or evangelist, what it tells you is that an evangelist is someone who announces good news. 
They proclaim good news, specifically the good news about Jesus, the good news about the hope of Jesus Christ. So base level, it's a verb, meaning, go back to fourth grade with me, what's a verb? An action word, that it has some actionable steps. It's not just a mindset. It's not just something that I think about, but it's actually something that I put my feet to. It's kind of like back in the olden days of the town crier, the one who would run through town. Maybe you remember from history class, Paul Revere runs through town and says, what, the British are coming, the British are coming, proclaiming something that is getting ready to happen. And that's in essence what evangelism is. We're proclaiming the news, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. But in this case, it's life-changing good news. Now, I'm well aware that I have talked for four minutes and 58 seconds about evangelism, and some of you guys have a really negative image in your mind already. Because what's happened to you at one point in your life is somebody was on a street corner and they were yelling at you, pointing their finger, wearing a sandwich board with all these sins listed out, telling you that you're going to hell because of these things that you have done. And if that's ever happened to you, if you've had a really negative experience with someone sharing their faith, I apologize on behalf of Christians worldwide for that, because that's not the way that the message is to be proclaimed. It's not the way the message is to be shared. Or maybe you were handed a track at one point in time that had a devil, and somebody said, you know, put your face, superimpose your face over this, because this is your life. And, and it just felt wrong, and it just felt like, oh, man, that just didn't seem like a really loving way to share the most life-giving, joyful news of all time with us. So our goal in here is to walk away with a clear understanding of what's actually going on, and why we share, and what we should be sharing in the way that we should be sharing. And it's not that kind of narrative. It's not those negative images that you may have in your mind, but rather a clear image that God wants us to give. Now, one of the best definitions of evangelism I've ever heard, and you'll see it up here on the screen, is from J.D. Greer. Evangelism is two nervous people talking to one another. I love this quotation. It's probably not the most earth-shattering uh, quotation about uh, evangelism you've ever heard, but Pastor J.D. Gear, I love it. I thought that is my absolute all-time favorite quotation on evangelism. It is two nervous people talking to one another because you're probably a little bit nervous to engage somebody in a conversation. I promise you the person on the receiving end of your conversation is probably nervous as well. Why? Because they've probably had some negative experiences. And so if they're nervous, great. If you're nervous, awesome. We're all in this together. So rest assured, this isn't easy for anyone. But maybe this is my just naive nature showing. But if you are here, and if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to assume that this is something you want to do. I believe if Jesus Christ has radically changed your life, you want to tell people about that, don't you? You want to point other people to what it means to have hope and life. And so I'm not going to use our time together to try to convince you that you should care, but rather to reframe and hopefully put some skin on why this matters and so that we can walk away practically more engaged in faith conversations. Is this hard for us? Absolutely. If you're sitting here thinking, I know by the end of this message, I'm not even going to grow in this. I'm not going to get it. Know that you're in good company. Most of us struggle with this. This isn't something that any of us just feel as comfortable with as we want to, but the more reps we get, the more times we share, the more conversations we have, the more intentional we are in conversations with other people, the more that we begin to see God showing us why this matters. And I want to share with you a stat. Barna Research studies trends about the church and faith-based issues, things of that nature. And I want to tell you a study that they did back in 1993. So back in 1993, they asked Christians the basic question, whose responsibility is it to share the faith? 
And back in 1993, 89% of Christians that were sharing their faith said, I believe this is the responsibility of everyone. 89%. So, I mean, we're pretty, pretty high. We're saying most people that were Christians were saying, yes, this is the responsibility of everyone. Barna did a really interesting comparison study. 25 years later, so in 2018, 25 years later, they did the same control measures, same studies, same questions, everything to see what had changed over 25 years. And what happened in 2008 is 64% of Christians said this is the responsibility of all Christians to share their faith. Some of you are math majors. You did the math in your head. Over 25 years, we dropped 25 points. It's a trend in the wrong direction. So as relationships have become more nuanced, as 1983, we didn't even have computers, or they weren't prevalent, really. And now we have the internet, we have social media. This message that I'm giving right now, we can live stream this to a remote village in Africa in real time. That's how technologically advanced we are as a society. So as things have become more complicated, as culture wars have kind of ramped up maybe in a way that you've never experienced before, as your relationships maybe are a little bit more complicated than they've ever been, we have become less apt to say that this is something that's our responsibility. So it's not a good trend. What then should we be striving for? We see this here on your notes. Followers of Jesus intentionally should be looking for opportunities to share the hope of Christ with others. Followers of Jesus intentionally look for opportunities to share the hope of Christ with others. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Highlight those words, gentleness and respect, that I am to share the message of the gospel with what? Gentleness and respect. It is a step that I intentionally should be looking for to share the hope of Christ with others. But in 1 Peter 3.15, the first words of that verse are words that you have to acknowledge are true for you, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. If you're here this morning and you do not revere Christ as Lord, or you've never made that decision to stand in awe of Jesus Christ and to invite him to be Lord of your life, then I give you full permission to not pay attention to anything else we're going to say in this message. Because everything else on this message from here on out is for the person who has invited Jesus to come in and change their life. If you're here and you have not revered Christ, and you're apart from him, and you want to know him, and you're searching for him, or you have questions about him, open your heart up right now. And that's your next step today. That's your next step is to say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I'm separated from you. Come and save me. Make me whole. Make me new. Because you and I can't share something that we don't have. So I hope and pray that Jesus has transformed your heart. And that that truth of the power of the gospel, that that peace that's been offered to you is something that you're living under right now. And if that's you, if you're here and you have that peace that passes understanding, you have that comfort that comes from knowing Jesus, then we have to intentionally look for opportunities to share the hope. And what does the scripture remind us? That we are always to be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to the hope that we have in Christ. And so as I intentionally seek out those opportunities then I pray that God brings them into my life. Because what you and I have, if you're a person of faith, what you have isn't a country club kind of faith. You guys remember the members-only jackets from the 80s and 90s? I loved those members-only jackets. It's like the worst message for the church ever, though. You know, we should not print T-shirts and jackets that say members-only here because what's saying is that's saying that you're excluded. 
that this is just for the select few. No, this message is for the masses. And how does that word get out to people? Through us, through you, and through me. So it's to be shared because we revere Christ as Lord. Go with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 62, starting going on into chapter 10, verse 1. Look at what Jesus says. And this is him speaking to his disciples. He says, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Some of you were raised in the country and you love Jesus' farming analogies. Some of you are raised in the city, and you're like, I have no idea what that means. Just picture a little house on the prairie with me, okay? Michael Landon, Charles Ingalls, he's holding a plow, and there's a yoke of oxen on that plow. What happens if I let my hand off the plow and start texting with my phone and the other hand over here? What happens to my rows? They get crooked. And Jesus is saying, anybody who puts one hand on the plow and takes their hand off the plow really isn't fit for the work that I have called them to do. What does that mean? It means that we have to be intentional. That we have to be all in. That we have to say, you know what, I want to be involved in the work of ministry. I want to pray for opportunities. And when God brings me those opportunities, I want to engage with people in conversations. I want to get to know my neighbors. I want to get to know circles of people that aren't just friends here from church. And there's no better way for you to grow in your relationships with other people than to go meet other people. And Go meet your neighbors. Someone moves in across the street. Go say hello and introduce yourself and see if you can help them move. Get to know your coworkers beyond just a, you know, early morning water cooler conversation and commit to pray for those relationships because truly the most intentional thing you can do at this moment is to pray for God to give you opportunities to share the hope of Christ and that you would be ready to share that hope with them. Because it's likely, very, very likely, that each and every one of us in this room have many people in our sphere of influence right now that are living their lives apart from Jesus. And we have been commissioned to go, compelled to go, and to share with them. But what does it start with? It starts with an understanding of how much Jesus loves us. And when you understand and realize how much Jesus loves you, you can't help but share that with others. You see this here on your notes, but any plan for evangelism... That doesn't start with a dependence on Jesus. It's a plan that's starting from the wrong place. So where do I start? What is my first step? Any plan for evangelism that doesn't start with dependence on Jesus is a plan that is starting from the wrong place. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. Look at what Paul says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, what does it say that you and I are? If we're followers of Jesus, we are an ambassador for Jesus. We are an ambassador for Christ. When you hear that word ambassador, where does your mind go to? Your mind goes to kind of what we know as today's ambassadors, diplomats, people who represent our country to another country. Let's just say, for example, that I am the U.S. ambassador to Finland. Seems like a nice place to be. The U.S. ambassador to Finland. Who do I represent in Finland? I represent the President of the United States. I represent the government of the United States. I represent the people of the United States to the country of Finland. I am there as an ambassador speaking on behalf of representing my home country to this other nation. And what Paul says is that you are Christ's ambassador. So if you use the same meaning of the word ambassador, it means that you and I speak on behalf 
of Jesus. We represent Jesus to a lost, hurting, and broken world. And so the only way we can really represent Jesus is to have dependence upon Jesus and to start with him. Now, sometimes we might share out of guilt or we might share out of compulsion, but really the best place to share, the best starting point is to start from a place of what has Jesus done for me, and I want to share that with you. Jesus has changed me, and I believe he wants to change you as well. And when we do that, hopefully we realize just how broken we are and how in need of grace we are. In fact, for some of us, the step that we need to take in our evangelism efforts right now is we just need to remember how much God has done for us. Because when you remember how much God has done for you, you desire to see that happen in the lives of other people. Which leads me to my second favorite definition of evangelism by D.T. Niles. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I love this. It's much more spiritual than my first definition. That's still my favorite one. But what's inherent in this truth, it's saying that you and I are beggars. We're in need. We're broken. And we found the bread of life. And what do we do? We go to other beggars. And we go to other people who are hopeless. And we say, here's where the bread is. Here's where the hope is. The hope is right here in Jesus Christ. And as we do that, what do we need to realize? You see it here in your notes. But we realize that our job, your job, my job is to share the message. And God works to change the heart. Your job is to share the message, and God works to change the heart. Your job is to share with other people where they can find that life-giving bread of life in Jesus. And what does God do? God says, I come, and I change hearts. Keep going in Luke chapter 10. Scroll over to verses 8 through 11. Again, this is Jesus speaking, and he said, When you enter a town, and you're welcomed, eat what's offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its street and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is where a lot of us kind of go off the rails. This is where I tend to struggle when it comes to faith conversations or evangelism conversations. Why? Because we feel responsibility for things that we never need to feel responsibility for. We feel responsibility for what? Doing all the changing. Or we have people in our life that we know need the hope that we have, and we feel some desire or some need to try to be the one to quote-unquote fix them. And we want to change them. That's never our responsibility. Because who does the changing? God does. But who's the ambassador? You are. Who does the healing? Jesus does. Who's the mouthpiece for that truth? You are. So God says, I want you to go share. I want to be the one to change the heart. Sometimes we have a savior complex, (laughs) and we like to think that we're the ones that are fixing all the problems, whereas Jesus is very quickly reminding us, you don't need to be the savior. You need to point people to the savior. You be the ambassador, and you let me do the healing in people's lives. And if you look at the specific instructions of Jesus, what did he say? He says, if you share the message and the message isn't welcome or the message not received, then you're not responsible for life change. He says, keep going on. Keep moving about in your conversations and let me be the one who does the work. I have, a, I have had several friends over my adult life that um, God has brought into my life, and, and I've seen just because of him, significant things happen in those relationships. People that didn't know Jesus and some people in my life still that don't have a relationship with Christ and friends and family. But I think about one guy particularly who I met a number of years ago. And 
and really kind of hit it off and became pretty fast friends. And in our first conversation, it became evident to me that he wasn't a follower of Jesus Christ. He wasn't obstinate to the things of the gospel, but he wasn't a follower of Jesus Christ. And after kind of getting to know him, building a relationship with him, one day he said something in just a, a kind of a passing conversation about how he, he was really struggling. He was really stressed out about some things. And so I just asked him, you know, tell me about those things. And, and then I said, can I share with you? some of the places where I go or the place where I go whenever I'm looking for hope or kind of dealing with anxiety or stress in my own life. And as a result of that, I get to share the gospel and very, what I thought very clearly mapped out the message of the gospel to him, get to the end of the conversation. And I say, what do you think about that? And he said, that's great. Just that's not something that I want right now. And I'm like, I did a great job <laughs> presenting. I said all the verses. I read them all correctly. I didn't stumble on any of the words. It was clear. Why did you not want to accept this? And then fast forward. Next time that we were together, a couple months later having dinner, same thing, same conversation, same verses. What do you think about that? And he said, I think that's really, really awesome. I just am not ready for that right now. And I'm like, I have got to put my foot down. What am I doing wrong? Fast forward a couple months later, my phone rings one day. And it's him. And he said, I just want to let you know that everything that we've talked about came into light for me tonight. And he said, and I kneeled at my bedside and I asked Jesus to come and change my life and give control of my life. And so I just wanted you to know. And he said, and can I get baptized next Sunday? And I said, absolutely. Well, fast forward to year or so later, that very guy baptized his son in this baptistry right here. And so not only was his life changed, but his son started seeing what he had done in his life, and he wants to accept Jesus. And in those moments, what does God remind us of? God says, you just share. And what do I do? God says, I do the work. I do the changing. You just be faithful to share. And so I want us to kind of reflect upon some ways to do that. How can we share? What are some truths that we should share? What are the truths that we need to be sharing in these conversations centered around evangelism? And I want to walk us through a method. And this is a method of one of many that you could lean into, and it might be helpful for you. Maybe somebody's walked you through this before, or maybe nobody's ever walked you through this before. And it's simply called the Romans Road. And what it is, is the Romans road, meaning it's a path. It's five verses that go succinctly throughout the book of Romans that help you share the message of the gospel and the faith that you have in Jesus Christ with someone else. And it's a, a tool. It's a quick caveat here, but it's a tool. And it's just a really simple way to say, here's five verses that you can use to speak truth to someone. If you have a methodology, if you have a plan that you already kind of use, if you have kind of some conversation starters you already use, by all means, continue doing what you've already been doing. But this is maybe for somebody that's never uh, been instructed in this, or you've never thought through just specifically what do those steps look like. D.L. Moody, who was one of the greatest Christian thinkers and preachers and leaders in the church uh, over our, our history of time, uh, famously is quoted as saying he gave a sermon on, on evangelism one time, and a lady came up to him after the service, and she said, I really don't like the way that you told us to share our faith. 
And he said, okay, well, thank you <laughs> for sharing that. Um, but do you want to maybe tell me how you share your faith then? Because I want to know how I can be better. I want to tweak this in my own life. And she said, oh, well, I don't share my faith with anyone. And he said, well, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. So, um, so you know, if you have a path and if you have a way that you're comfortable doing it, by all means, keep doing it. But if you're like me, sometimes it's just helpful to say, hey, here's a plan. Here's a real specific way. And what the Romans Road does is it, it takes you through a few verses. And what I would encourage you to do as you're sharing these verses is first and foremost, speak these verses. Share these verses. Say them out loud to a friend or to a neighbor. Why? Because Romans 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Is lifestyle evangelism important? You betcha. Is it important the way that you live your life? Absolutely. Because if your life does not match up with what you're saying, which will people believe? Your life all the time. If you're over here proclaiming this but living this way, then people are going to naturally gravitate towards this. So that's a foregone conclusion. I'm assuming that we're all already there. But then we're talking about what we actually share because faith comes from hearing. And where does that hearing come from? It comes from the message of Christ, the words of Christ. And what I personally do, and you can look at my Bible and see this, what I do is I've highlighted these five verses in my Bible because sometimes I'm a pretty simple guy and I forget. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the next one up? And they go chronologically. So you just keep going. Okay, it's, it's, it's like foil proof. Like, here's a verse. Let me turn two pages. There's another one that's highlighted. That's the next one I need to read. One more page, another one that's highlighted. And so that way you don't have to remember them if you get nervous in the conversation. And something that I've seen that's really helpful as you're in a conversation with someone is to just hand them your Bible, hand them your app with a verse highlighted and say, hey, we're talking, and I think that this is a verse that might be helpful to you. Would you mind to read it aloud? Because something happens in a person when they hear and when they read the scripture. I'm sure that those of you, and we could find some research about why that really matters, but I simply take it back to Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing from the word of God, I have to hear or see that word communicated to me. And so you start in Romans 3, 23. And again, these go in chronological order. Romans 3.23, what does Romans 3.23 says? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you can highlight with your friend the word all. All have sinned. Who's all? All of us. Meaning that nobody is excluded from that, that all of us have sinned. And then you go over to chapter 5, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's the truth in that verse? That Jesus Jesus' death was a demonstration of his love. That Jesus did not die for us when we were perfect. That God sent Jesus for us when we were broken. And then you go to chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when you get to this verse, one of the best ways, best conversations you can have with someone is say, Do you have a job or have you ever had a job? And what did you get for that job? And what will people tend to say? Pay wages. You get paid for the work that you do. And it's a beautiful picture to say the pay that you deserve because of sin in your life, that thing that separates you from God, is death. That's the wages. That's what I earn because of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then you go to Romans 10. 
9 and 10. And it's just a really practical way for someone to understand how then do I make this decision to follow Jesus. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So salvation comes through believing and confessing. Salvation comes through believing and confessing. And that's the verse that helps your friend or your neighbor realize what it means to actually follow Jesus. What do I do? I have to believe in my heart who Jesus is. And I have to physically confess with my mouth my brokenness and the sin in my life. And then don't leave out Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus died for all. It's a beautiful picture to cast in a conversation. You start with all have sinned and highlight the word all. And then you close with Jesus died for all. Just like all of us are sinners, Jesus also says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that salvation is for all. And this is just a simple way, a simple way for you to take a couple verses and to walk through a plan of salvation with someone. So how did then you get into that conversation? Maybe I should have started there. How do I get into that conversation? What are the ways that I transition maybe a conversation with a friend or a family member to the hope of the gospel? Well, first, pray. It's the most intentional thing you can do is pray for God to give you an opportunity. But also, I would add, don't pray for God to give you an opportunity if you're not willing to take it. By a show of hands, have you ever prayed for an opportunity and God brought one? Yes. And who does he often bring? Sometimes people that you don't like. Sometimes you pray for an opportunity and you're like, oh, God, seriously, that person? I mean, I prayed for somebody that was a little bit more palatable. And that's who you brought? And see, God brings people into your life as an opportunity and opportunities for you to listen, opportunities for you to grow in relationship. One of the best bedrock truths of evangelism is in the context of relationship. When you know people and when you know their story and when you're not meeting them and just hearing all their story for the first time, but you've got a history of a relationship with them. You know some of their struggles. You know some of the things that they're dealing with. And I hope that you have those people in your life right now that you're walking with that don't have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe these are some of the actionable steps that you can listen for. When you hear people say things like, I'm going through a really hard time, or you hear people say, you know what, I'm really stressed out about X, Y, Z, or I'm really anxious about this certain thing in my life. It's a perfect opportunity for you to ask them a question. Tell me more about why you're anxious. And then once they're finished, if the conversation is going well to say, can I share with you what I do in my life when I'm anxious? Or can I share with you where I have found hope? And that's not an offensive question. It's not an in-your-face kind of question. It's just giving a, you an opportunity to share about the hope that you have in Christ. Now, does everything always go according to plan? You know, do you ever just share your faith and it all just goes awesome and the person says, you know what, I get that, I believe it right now, and their life changes, they go from all their addictions, they flee from everything, they come here, they, they're the new pastor at Rolling Hills. Like, does it always happen that, that, that beautiful and simply put, not at all? It's not always just like that, but again, whose job is it to do the changing? God's. Whose job is it to do the sharing? Ours. And so we listen for those opportunities. Another thing that many of us have found very effective, and I've heard this from some of you, and I certainly attest to it myself, sometimes one of the best things you can do for someone is just ask them if you can pray for them. 
If they're sharing with you what's going on in their life and you don't know how to take the conversation to Romans Road, I know there's these verses that I want to share with them. How do I share this truth? Just ask somebody, can I pray with you? Now, again, I'm an audience of one here, but I've used that question a lot of times with people that I know really well and people that I have not known very well. From the person who's the uh, attendant at a gas station to somebody you're sitting next to on a plane to a neighbor that you've been in a relationship with for a long time. Would you guys like to take a guess? When I have asked personally, people, can I pray for you? Would you like to take a guess as to how many people have said no? Zero. Now, maybe you run in rougher circles than I do. It's possible. I have never in my entire adult life had anybody look at me and say, get away from me, you self-righteous, fill in the blank, words that we don't use in sermons. (laughs) Never. What's happening frequently, though, when you ask that question, and some of you have seen this because you've told me, often when you ask that question, what happens? Tears well up in their eyes. Why? Because you saw them. Nobody in their life has ever seen them. Nobody has said, tell me about that struggle that you're going through. And can I pray for you in that struggle? More often than not, you'll see an amazing connection that happens. And you get to pray and intercede to God on behalf of that person. And sometimes that leads to just next level conversations. And so invite them to church. Invite them to events and activities that we're having. You can rest assured when you invite them here to church, nobody's going to beat them over the head. We're going to seek to love them and to serve them and to bring them the hope and share with them the hope of the, of the gospel. So seek to push through that awkwardness, push through just the confusion, push through those things that make you nervous. And keep in mind that God is the one who does the work. And I want to close today with a point that I've said every week, and I'll probably say it the next several weeks as well, because it's true. For everything that we've talked about and what we, we engage with, it's true for discipleship, it's true for serving, it's true for being on mission, and it's certainly true for evangelism. Excuses and reasons to not share your faith are always easy to find. So if you go searching for an excuse, you will not have to look very far. If you go searching for a reason that sharing the gospel is not going to work, <laughs> or go find an excuse or seek to find a reason, I promise you, you will not have to go very far. Some of us just may be a little bit too busy. And because we're too busy, we're missing opportunities that are right in front of us. We don't have the margin to be able to see what's happening in other people's lives. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I don't know what to say. And because I don't know what to say, I'm not going to share. Let me ask you a question in all honesty. When is the last time that not knowing what to say ever stopped us from talking about anything else? (laughs) Think about it. If that was the metric I was using for when I opened my mouth, and didn't open my mouth, I would be silent a lot more than I currently am. And I would venture to say some of you would as well. But the fact that we may not know all the answers, or we may not know all of the questions, or all the answers to the questions they may ask, keeps us from sharing anything at all. Or maybe we just say, you know what, it just seems a little pushy. I don't know, I don't want to impose on somebody. I I really don't want to push this up on them, and I'm not encouraging you to go out of here and be pushy with your conversations, but I do want to encourage you to be obedient and faithful to the things that are in front of you. I venture to say that all of us, and I heard this illustration a long time ago, it's not my illustration, I unfortunately don't know who it started with, but 
that picture of if I see a washed out bridge, a flood has washed out a bridge, and I'm standing by that bridge and I see a family of four driving on a sedan down the road just having a great time singing to the top of their lungs, and there's a bridge that has been washed out ahead of them, I'm not going to sit on my hands and just be like, I don't want to be pushy. You know, I really don't want to impose up on them. What am I going to do? I'm going to do everything humanly possible to get in their way, to stop them, to let them know that there is impending doom, disaster ahead of them. But yet when it comes to matters of faith, sometimes we kind of say, "Mm, I really don't want to be pushy. When in reality, truthfulness, people's eternities are at stake. And their forevers are at stake. And their full, rich, abundant life that God has for them here and now is hanging in the balance. And so prayerfully, all of us will walk away from today. And to have grown into what it means to put these things into practice. And to be able to push through maybe some of the nervousness. To maybe push through some of the uncomfortableness. And say, you know what, I want to pray. I want to invest. I want to serve. I want to share I want to love on others. And so let's engage in this. Let's share in these conversations because what happens? God changes us in the process. But he changes other people too. And he invites us into that work. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. And the band's going to come up and we're going to give you a chance to respond to this, to reflect upon this. Because maybe God's brought somebody into your life right now that is far from him and he's asking you to take that initiative to point them to the truth of the gospel. And maybe as a result of the Holy Spirit just kind of speaking to your heart right now, you'll have the courage to make that call. Or maybe it's just something that you've been somewhat apathetic about and God is stirring in you right now to be more faithful in serving. Or maybe you're here and your life has just not been changed by Jesus and you want to give control of your life to him today. Let that be something that happens during this time. And as always, if you want to pray with someone, you can stick around after the service. Our staff, our pastoral care team will be here. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to walk you through these steps of what it means to follow Jesus. So, Lord, find us faithful today. We thank you that you have saved us, that you love us, that your name is so good and so holy. And because of who you are, God, our forever has been changed. Give us opportunities today and this week in our relationships, in our family, to share the hope of Christ to share the truth of the gospel and to just simply be faithful and obedient to the work and leave the changing up to you. Thank you, God, for what you have done and thank you for just this continued time of worship. It's in the name of Christ that we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.